Welcome to Unfolding Words. This is episode number 39. Are you living in peace with everyone? I'm your host, Antracia Moorings, and this is a weekly podcast that's aimed at sharing biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I think this episode may be for you because I know it was for me. Have you ever heard people say that they are cutting people off because they can't get along with them, because they don't like them, because that person did them wrong, so they just sever all ties with that person? If you or someone you know is always talking about separating themselves from other people, you have to be careful. Even if you have a valid reason, we have to look at scriptures for how we to respond to other people. If there's one thing about the scriptures and the gospel, it's that it unifies people. Second Corinthians 13 and 11 says, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, you may have someone or several someones who you don't want to live at peace with. We can all say amen to that, right? Maybe you don't like the person. Maybe their personality rubs you the wrong way. Maybe they did you wrong. Maybe they betrayed you. Whatever the case is, there has to be someone in your life that you don't want to live in peace with because you're human and I'm human. I have quite a few people on that list, but the scripture is clear about how we are to live in peace with this person or people. Let me read Romans 12 to you, verses 14 through 18. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And today I'm going to focus on that last verse, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now in this chapter, chapter 12, Paul offers some great advice on how to handle people problems. He says in verse 10, be affectionate, followed in verse 12 by be prayerfully patient. Bless your persecutors. He says this in Romans 12 and 14. Be humble, verse 16. Don't take revenge, verse 19. And defeat evil with good. Now, as followers of Jesus, living peaceably with everyone, that should be a hallmark of our lives. That's how we should be characterized as people. Peace should be among the characteristics that people point out when they describe us. Another way to think of living peaceably with other people is never let yourself be the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with another person. It all boils down to us, our response. We cannot blame our unpeaceful or non-peaceful associations with other people to be put on other people. As a believer, We should be known by living peaceably in our neighborhoods, in our cities, at work, at our places of worship, where we play. We should be the most pleasant people on the planet. And we don't want just our friends and our family, those people we like, to be able to say those things about us. Even our enemies, those people that we dislike, should be able to say, this woman and this man is a person of peace. Luke 6 and 32 says, if you love those who love you, What benefit is that to you? 
for even sinners love those who love them. So when we arrive anywhere, peace should arrive with us. We should have like a bubble of peace around us. And living in peace is countercultural. It's opposite to the way that we're made. But if the scripture calls for us to do it, then that means it's possible with God. We often think it's okay to leave those people that we don't like on the other side of our peace. We often think it's okay to leave bad baby daddies as enemies or ex-friends as ex-friends or an ex-spouse or ex-wife as someone who you never want to see again. What's the sense in creating peace with these kind of people, we ask? Why not just move on? But Paul in the scripture shares God's heart for these disconnected relationships. He outlines God's hopes for reconciliation when he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Yes, even that neighbor you may not like. Now, notice Paul says, if possible, that means it may not always be possible, but don't be so quick to say, see, it's not possible because more often than not, there is space for possible. We just have to see it from God's perspective. No matter how you try, some things in this broken world cannot be fixed, no matter what we do. And then there are some situations clearly when you may have to stand up for yourself, like if you're in an abusive situation or something like that. So there are some parameters to this. Theologian Charles Spurgeon said, some people will quarrel and it is barely possible to keep upon good terms with them. In their case, we must do our best. And if after all, we cannot live peaceably with them, it will be fortunate for us if we can move off and live without them. But I think this is, in most cases, the rare case. In most cases, we are able to live in peace with other people. Now, Paul gives two clear conditions on living peaceably, if possible, and so far as it depends on you. These commands are going to highlight the conflict that sometimes is unavoidable. Some people are just not interested in making peace with us, even if we extend an olive branch to them. There is such a thing as an appropriate time and place to disagree, to dispute, or even to fight. Some people just shut down, though, and they make it impossible to seek peace with them. We make attempts to smooth things over, but they're not open to it. They won't take our calls, our emails. They block you. In that case, it's not possible because they're not creating an avenue for you to show peace to them. So at that point, it doesn't depend on you or me anymore because there's not the opportunity for peace to be extended. It's at this point that we have to leave it with God. We have to say, God, I've exhausted all of my opportunities to seek peace with this person. So at this point, it's in your hands for peace to come in this relationship. But oftentimes we say that peace is not possible before this has even taken place. We don't even go to extend an olive branch before we're saying that peace is not possible. So as far as it does depend on us, we have to seek a real experience of peace with all for the Lord's sake. We can only be responsible for ourselves. So the blame for a lack of peace should always be with the other side, not with us. Let it never be named among you that you could not have a peaceful relationship with someone. Now, when there is no peace or reconciliation, we have to look at ourselves first. Because the scripture says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So we have to look at ourselves to say, am I making all the attempts that I can 
to make peace with this other person. And I'm not saying this is going to be easy. Making peace with someone who we don't necessarily want to have peace with is not high on anyone's list. But if we are really seeking to be true followers of Christ, this has to be a hallmark of our lives. So what does it require to live this way? Number one, we must be willing to admit our wrongs and to apologize. That's the very first step to make things right and to forgive. This is where the idea of so far as it depends on you comes into play. So that means that our own ego, our pride, <laughs> our desires and our prejudices should never get in the way of living peaceably with others. We have to hang all that stuff up on the side, let it go and seek peace First, that means we ought not do wrong things to or towards other people, no matter how much they ruffle our feathers. Someone once said, I could live this Christian life with no problem if it weren't for people. And how many are saying amen? Some people problems that we have may never be resolved. For just as it takes two to quarrel, it also takes two to reconcile. If we do our part and the irreconcilable difference remains, there is still a plan to follow. Now, this is very important. So if you're living a surrendered and spirit filled life as a believer is important for you not to hold on to resentment and not to try to retaliate with silence or passive aggressive behavior. That is not a hallmark of the Christian life. A hallmark is always to seek peace first, no matter how much we're hurt, nor how no matter how much we're angry. Peace should be our first response. And of course, this is no easy feat in and of ourselves. And when it comes to the idea of if possible, or so far as it depends on you, we have to know that it is the ability of so far as it depends on you, because the ability is not originated in ourselves. We don't muster up the courage or the strength to live at peace with people. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you now have a new power supply, which is the indwelling Holy Spirit that's coupled with a new nature. So these two things are what gives us the ability to live at peace with others. It's not just something that we can go read a self-help book and do this. No, this happens by the inner working of the Holy Spirit in your life. The power comes only from the Holy Spirit. However, let me note that it is our responsibility to make a conscious effort, which is a choice of our wills, to seek to overcome evil with good and to let God work out the problem through us. There are three things that we should keep in mind as we seek to live in peace with everyone. Number one, as Christians, we are not to cut ourselves off from the world simply because people are hard to live with. That would make the Christian life a breeze. <laughs> but we are not living in this world solitary. Much of our Christian life is about fellowship with other people, living with other people, and learning to work through problems with other people. So we cannot just cut off people, those that we don't like, as I mentioned, those who hurt us, unless, of course, there are extenuating circumstances where you've been abused and the abuser has not changed their behavior or you're in danger. In that case, of course, you will have to cut them off. But in normal everyday situations, which most of us face where we have people in our lives that we don't like or we don't want to deal with, we have to seek the route of peace first. 
Even Jesus didn't cut himself off from Judas. He ate with him. He traveled with him, knowing full well the betrayal that was to come from one of his own disciples. But instead of withdrawing, we are to live among everyone in peace so that they can see the beauty of holiness and the peace and blessedness of living for Christ. That's the only way that people are going to know that we're different is if we respond differently to them. So if people are used to being attacked or they're used to getting a response where if they treat someone wrong, that person treats them wrong. If we come along and we do the opposite of that, then they know, oh my gosh, something is different about this person. That's how we are to be light and salt in the world is when we respond differently than how people are typically used to being responded to. It's easy to follow the path of least resistance, but it's hard to follow the narrow way. Secondly, we are following the example of Jesus Christ. He left us an example that we should follow in his steps. The scripture says when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Scripture says, avenge yourselves not, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, this is wisdom that was shared in part on the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. So rather than give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we're to leave the work of vengeance to the Lord. Our weapons are not to be the silent treatment, a bad attitude, talking about somebody on Facebook. Our weapons are kindness and tolerance. Now, again, I said this earlier, this is countercultural. And this is counter to the way that we're made. Our own flesh, our own human nature doesn't even want to respond this way. But by the Holy Spirit and God's word in us, we are able to respond with kindness and tolerance to those that we don't necessarily want to live in peace with. If we act like the people who are hurting us, then what sets us apart as a child of God? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Number three. Remember that the choice to live peaceably doesn't take two. It's a solitary decision. So if you set out to say, I want my life to be marked by living in peace with everyone, you don't make that decision based on other people's behavior. You make that decision because you want to live as a child of God. You recognize that you are a Jesus follower and that your life has to look different than the world's or other people who don't necessarily know Jesus. It's been said that it takes two parties to make peace. It takes two also to cause a quarrel. Bottom line, don't seek or stir up a fight. And if it seeks you, well, prove yourself the better of the two by showing your opponent or enemy or whatever you want to call them the more excellent way. If you're wrong, just fess up and acknowledge it. And by doing this, you can disarm the angriness that can swell up in another person. And if you're right, let the anger subside, step away for a moment, let things cool down, give time for the other party to see their mistake, to acknowledge it without you badgering them and telling them that they're wrong. It's amazing with time and space and giving God room to move and work. It's amazing what that can do. Let me share another illustration from Spurgeon. He said this, I once lived where my neighbor's garden was divided from me only by a very imperfect hedge. He kept a dog and his dog was a shockingly bad gardener and did not improve my plants. So one evening, while I walked alone, I saw this dog doing mischief and being a long way off, I threw a stick at him with some earnest advice as to his going home. 
This dog, instead of going home, picked up my stick and came to me with it in his mouth, wagging his tail. He dropped the stick at my feet and looked up to me most kindly. What could I do but pat him and call him a good dog and regret that had ever spoken roughly to him? Now, Spurgeon's illustration, of course, includes a dog. But imagine if we can do this with another person, if we can allow them to be disarmed with kindness and peace. Imagine how that could transform the relationship. A humble response can help many squabbles to just be snuffed out altogether. But sometimes even calm, quiet words may not turn the anger away. That's not our issue, though. We have to keep reaching out in peace until we can't reach out anymore. And even if you don't like someone, and you have to engage with this person on a regular basis or periodically, it doesn't hurt to talk kindly to them, even if they've hurt us and they haven't acknowledged it. Us speaking kindly to them has no bearing on what they did. It's our responsibility to be peaceable with everyone, despite what they've done. That's the way of Jesus' followers. Peacemaking is a biblical priority. We see this in a number of scriptures. Matthew 5 and 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. A hallmark of the sons of God, they are peacemakers. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursuing peace means that you're making an effort to go after it. And it says pursue peace with all people not just the ones we like. James 3 and 17 says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The book of Peter teaches that we must not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but we must bless. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Why in the world are we called to react this way? Because if we want to be in God's kingdom, it can only happen without the spirit of murder dwelling in us. Yes, I said the spirit of murder. When you're continually angry, that's a spirit of murder. All of our evil retaliations include a spirit of murder that should not be named among us as children of God. Hearing it like that brings it home, doesn't it? By the way, Paul addresses the issue of retaliation four times in Romans 12, which begins by saying that we are to be living sacrifices and we are not to conform to this world's ways. We live opposite of the way that the world lives. The picture should be clear. Somebody must be willing to do this if there is to be peace. And Jesus set the example for us. He refused to strike back. He died for the entire world. And his non-retaliation method should be our default mode. And as I mentioned, this is countercultural and is counter to how we're built as humans. But it's possible, even though it seems supernatural, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit backing us up in this. Until Jesus returns, the standards that he set when it comes to peace can be met and lived but only by those who, like Jesus, have the spirit of God and are living by faith and are enabled to keep God's ways by God himself. Now, I know these sound like remarkably high standards and they may seem impossible, but just know that they are possible because God is our strength. He works unseen to human eyes and he makes living according to these standards possible. So I say this to you. I say this to myself. We can live at peace with 
everyone, even those who rub us the wrong way. Even those who have hurt us and betrayed us, done us wrong. Those people who tell us, girl, you need to kick him to the curb. Like we cannot live according to that standard. We have to live according to the way that Jesus walked into the standards of scripture. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unfolding Words. Be sure to rate and review in iTunes or Stitcher and share with someone who you think could benefit from this episode of the podcast. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.